Hey there. Welcome to Busy Lippin' Soapbox. Busy Lippin' Soapbox. Hi, Wheezy. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you today? I'm good. I'm having a good day. It's okay. Just okay. Just okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. How's your week been? My week's been okay. I went to went to prison on Monday night and met with the inmates. That was that was great. I stayed for about two hours. Um, so that was good. I always get a lot out of that, and hopefully they do too. So it was good. Gratitude is the attitude, isn't it? <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> We can only have gratitude. I At least I can these days. I'm just so grateful. And, you know, uh, the opportunities that have been given to me, I'm so grateful for. Aren't you? I am. I really am. I love doing, you know, I, I love the fact that I have a good job. Um, and, uh, you know, outside my job, I can still do things like going to the prison and volunteering for that. Um, do this podcast with you, you know, raise two children, you know, it's just, it's great. It's amazing. And we think about it when we're, if, if we look back at our addiction and when we were in our addiction, you know, it was like, I just went through life just managing to get by and I don't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, I always, I always wanted to do... I mean, it's not that it's not that I didn't. I mean, I was I you know it wasn't until the very end when I wasn't very um, I, I just wasn't functional um, but that I I wasn't able to do the things that I wanted to do even you know when it came to painting or drawing or anything like that. I mean, I just I wasn't um, I didn't feel well enough. I couldn't do it. Um, but prior to that, even in my you know, addiction, my active addiction, I was, you know, I always wanted, it was like a dream to always to volunteer to, I was always involved in rotary and chamber and all those things. It's just that I, I never did it a hundred percent. You know, I didn't give myself a hundred percent because I had priorities. My priorities, you know, were drinking and it got in the way. Well, and it's so crazy, you know, being sober and at this point, and being open to do different things, things that I would definitely have said no to. And as you know, like, I'm not a big fan of going to the prison. I'm not as big of a fan as you are <laughs> of going to the right. prison. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> like, it scared me. You know, yeah. it really, it scared me. And putting ourselves in situations that we that and it's one of the things like putting ourselves in situations that used to baffle us is now like a gift. And, you know, I told you this, but I have been going to, you know, I went to this women's conference mm-hmm. in Delray, Florida, and I really didn't want to go. It was like the last place on earth that I really wanted to go. In fact, I, as you know, I mean, Louise has heard this before, but you know, I was I was told my friends I would go, and we only had one car, so my friend picked me up. So, of course, I looked at my husband, and I was like, okay, so if I'm not, not having fun, you're going to pick me up, right? And he was like, uh, no. This is like <laughs> you're going to camp, and you have to stay, even if you're uncomfortable. 
and I got a little uncomfortable. Do you know what that's like to get uncomfortable in a place where you know you want to go, you know you know some people, but you know what? It's still uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I thought I was going to have a problem um, going into prison, and I was a little anxious the first time. And it was only because I had this vision of, you know, guards walking me, flocking me and walking me down to the unit. And it just isn't the case. I mean, maybe it is sometimes, but the nights that I've gone, um, they were either short death or it's just not their protocol. So, uh, you know, I I thought I would be a lot more anxious, but I wasn't. I, I mean, I feel like I I looked at it as as safe, actually, because I knew that if anything were to happen, and there were enough people around me that could help. So it wasn't, I don't know, I just never felt that threat. Maybe that's why I like going, I, because it doesn't intimidate me at all, um, you know, and I and I just know how much they appreciate it. And tell me this, did you ever go to a place where you felt intimidated? Because I'd say going to this women's conference in the beginning was totally intimidating, and thank God a woman that I know came up to me and I told her that I was like, oh, my God. I don't know if I want to do this. And she's like, I totally get it. It is very hard in the beginning. You know, it's hard. It's uncomfortable. Well, it is too, if you don't know exactly what to expect. I mean, the only thing that I could possibly say that I did that was, that was um, like a self-help kind of thing was I went to um, Oprah Winfrey had her live your best life tour. And I, was able to get tickets for a weekend and um you know it wasn't it, it was a little intimidating um that you know just women as far as your eye can see all there for the same reason but you know you, you I know myself I, I felt like I looked like I I wasn't living my best life <laughs> like I really needed it um you know you just thought everybody around you had their act together and then you didn't um and you were this pathetic soul looking to get your best life and walk away with it. But, um, you know, it didn't happen, <laughs> but, but I know what you're saying. I mean, it, it can be intimidating with a lot of people and not knowing what the agenda is. Right. And luckily for me, it was all about recovery and there were over 500 women there. Wow. And, you know, it was amazing. And the speakers were amazing. And, you know, they spoke about love and they spoke about, you know, letting out our secrets and how important it is to let out our secrets because that the secret is what wants to kill us, right? Yeah. And having the ability to talk to somebody like, you know, in 12 Steps, we have somebody that's called a sponsor. And I have to tell you, my sponsor has helped me on so many occasions. It's unbelievable. You know, when I think I have something figured out and then I bring it to her, his, you know, attention, they put it, they show it to me in a different light where it's not all about me. You know, it's not all about me and can show me a different, like how to view things with different, some different glasses. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. And I, and I talked about that on Monday night when we were talking um, with the inmates or I was talking to them and they were talking about what they were going to do when they got out and who who they were going to be with and how that was going to, you know, maybe cause a problem because oftentimes they, they go home to people that are still using, which is a horrible scenario that they don't have a whole lot of control over. 
But um, one of the women there had said that she wanted, she didn't know if she wanted to go home to her boyfriend, um, who it sounded like he was still using or it was just a very um, toxic relationship that wasn't going to do her any good other than get her back into prison. But anyway, I had, um, we were talking and she said that she had called her grandmother from prison that day and asked if, if she could live with her instead to kind of avoid any, um, you know, anything horrible happening or relapse with her boyfriend. And the grandmother said uh, nothing, actually. She said nothing. And then she waited. I guess she asked again. And then the grandmother said, you know, I'll have to, you have to prove yourself. And it was one of those things where she was angry. And I, you know, I walked, kind of walked her through a couple different situations with me, whether it be with my kids or just, you know, time, as we always say, almost every podcast, the time takes time, you know, and that because she didn't have a definitive answer didn't mean that her grandmother didn't care about her, but it just meant that, you know, she's, she's, um, she's made some mistakes and she's hurt some people and she's, you know, people that she loves don't trust her right now. And so she has to kind of go through that, you know, you just have to go through the, 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 the time and you got to earn that that trust back and it and it doesn't happen overnight and I gave some examples of things that that I've worked through that that didn't happen overnight and you know to try to change that anger into you know something more positive that she can work towards instead of feeling like everybody's you know closing the door and closing the door on you so you know what I mean it was and and I didn't want to interrupt you but I was going to say you know I remember thinking that everybody was out to get me, mm-hmm. you know, like that thing, that sickness inside of my head wants to keep me alone. It wants to keep me by myself and it wants me to tell myself why, like I deserve to have my grandmother let me live with her right away. I mean, of course the woman, I mean, let's be honest. Of course this woman has to say, I've got to see if you're going to be okay and do a trial period because. Fortunately or unfortunately, when we're in addiction, we hurt a lot of people and people wish and pray and the trauma and the stuff that people have to go through that we love, it's really hard. I know that I remember when I was first getting sober and people would be like, well, you know, who did you hurt and what did you do? And my first thing was to say, I didn't hurt anybody. I just hurt myself. Who am I hurting? It's just I'm the only one that's drinking it. And I'm the only one that's having the effects of it. And how is it hurting somebody else? But it's when we, we hurt other people all the time when we're in our addiction. And we don't want to take responsibility for it. Because it's too painful to be like, uh, I really stole from my grandmother. I really robbed my own my parents. I really took stuff that wasn't mine. You know, stuff that you would never do in your right mind that you do when you're in your addiction. You, I mean, it's like when we first get sober, we're like, well, we didn't, and we didn't mean to. I mean, it's just, as you said, it takes time to recognize, okay, admitting that I did this and admitting that I'm not perfect and admitting that I have flaws and admitting that you say, you know what, I totally get my, that my grandmother has these feelings. Yeah, and They're it's, it's, it's cleaning up the mess. I mean, who wants to clean up the mess? I mean, figuratively speaking, even, you know, I mean, it's it's a lot of work. And if you, 
you know, whether you go to a rehab or you don't go to a rehab, you know, the, the personal journey and the work that you have to do to get to even a, a, a better place in, in this, you know, smallest sense, you know, requires a lot of work. And, you know, I, I think it's to, to, to start the process and then have to, you know, clean up your mess and to talk about it and to, you know, talk to your children and make sure that they don't worry or, or have the patience when you think they're constantly, you know, sniffing your glass of, you know, diet soda to, you know, see if they can smell rum or, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's a lot and, and, and it's very easy. And I know this from my own experience, it's very easy to get aggravated very fast and to be intolerant of it because you almost feel like you're entitled to just have some some peace enough already i i quit drinking i quit doing drugs you know i i quit all the things you wanted me to quit so enough already but but there's a lot of damage done i mean there's so much and that's where i feel like in some ways the recovery process is not thorough because we go, we send people into different rehab facilities, whatever one it is, and some are better than others, I, at least I've heard on the street. But, you know, we send people to these places for 28 days, 30 days, whatever, let's say it's 90 days. And we send this person away, we lock them up. They're taken out of society as a whole. They don't have any bills to pay. They don't have any kids to deal with. They don't have any spouses. They have no in-laws. They have nothing. They're lo- you're locked up away from everybody, right? And you're learning about the 12 steps and you're drying out. Now, everybody that's outside, all your loved ones, are still doing everything that they did. And the only thing that's missing is the person that's been giving them, for lack of a better word, a headache, heartache, all of that. And that person's locked up. So they can sleep easy. That person's being taken care of. And then the person comes out and they think, the loved ones think, oh, you know, okay, you were just locked up, Uh, you're going to be all better now, and we don't have to do anything differently, we're going to live in the same life, we're going to, nothing's going to change, it's just that you're not going to drink anymore. And that's so not the right thinking. Because that's the first thing, right? It's the first thing is putting down the drink. Yeah. That's not the whole thing. Not at all. No. Uh, and, you know, I've seen it and and you've lived it, so you're, you, you may be able to comment on this better than I can, but I've seen so many people that have gone in and they've come out and their family members are like, why are you going to meetings all the time? Why are you going out all the time? Why aren't you at home? Why aren't you here doing this with me? And the person's like, well, I need to go to meetings because if I don't go to meetings, I'm not going to be able to stay sober. I'm not going to be, I, I mean, I need to go. I mean, it's because for the people that are listening, meetings are like medicine for people. Right. And I mean, I, I, from my own experience working with, you know, my family, I know, and, and you know, this is half of it's maybe what I, I feel when I'm talking to them or send them a message. And then, you know, the other might just be what I'm thinking, you know, that I have in my own head. Um, but I, you know, it's been a year and eight months as of yesterday. And, Thank you. And there are, you know, still days, and I mentioned last podcast, that I don't, you know, I don't get to go to the meeting that I want to go to every morning just because I have to be at work. But, you know, there's days when I, when I 
I, I just wake up and I think, you know, I really need a meeting and it's really not an option. I have to go. And when I say that, I, uh, when I send a message and say, oh, you know, I'll be late because I, I really need to go to a meeting, you know, it, it, it's not like it was in the beginning because it's almost now it's viewed as a, um, like something I really like to do, which I do. There's no question about right. that, but not something I have to do, where, where it still is something I have to do, and it will always be something I have to do. But I think as time goes by for the people that are the loved ones looking at you, I think they think, well, okay, it's been a year and a half, and, you know, eight months. I mean, she really can't possibly need a meeting right now. I mean, she hasn't drank in that long, and, but that's not the case. I mean, it's just not. So, you know, so many things change in the in and the perspective of the people that wanted nothing more for the, you to be sober are you know sometimes the same people that aren't supporting it as much down the road and it's not it's not saying it as a fault it's just it is what it is and their perception what is that changes don't, and don't you believe that it's and sorry for interrupting but don't no. you believe that it's a lack of education I mean, no, no question. I mean, it's like if they went and they listened to what, you know, they say when they, when you have, I mean, it might be a weekend or it might be three days that you go to the family time and they talk. And I know because I've heard it before, they stress how much, how important it is to go to meetings. And I don't think that the person that's showing up actually listens to what they're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's imperative for alcoholics to have some sort of time with people that are like them so that they can talk about and it's not I don't want to talk about it like like them like we're totally different than any other human being walking on this planet but we need each other we need to talk to each other we need to be around each other so we can feel like all right how am I going to get through this situation or that situation well you know and I, and I, uh, I was I was talking to a friend of mine who had recently relapsed and one of the things that I was saying in in the most non-judgmental way because I didn't feel it's not that I had to make sure I wasn't being judgmental. I I wasn't. I didn't feel it. I just simply said, you know, I know, you know, we all choose our path, and and you know, you've chosen to go back to drinking. However, I just want to remind you that I remember how happy you were when you were, and this isn't. We're not talking. We're talking about months versus years. And um, and one of the things that came out of it was that that she stopped going to meetings, and um, and she stopped going to meetings because uh, one particular person in there, um, you know, rubbed her the wrong way. So here I'm thinking in my head, oh my gosh, giving this person that much power that you are going to, you know jeopardize your sobriety because you don't want to see that one person and I said absolutely nice you're going back there you like the meeting you're going to say hello to this person and you're going to you know get back on the horse I mean it's just to think that you know but but my point being that she you know I watched it I couldn't do anything about it I was you know I I can only tell her what I what I've seen and what I've experienced with her being sober but I can't tell her not to drink she you know you just have to find that out yourself and i've gone from trying to be the the hero and the savior to to just being a friend 
I mean, I don't need to get on my soapbox. I just need to say, you know, this is what I saw. This is what I remember. You were really, really happy when you weren't drinking. You were the happiest I've ever seen you. And I'm sure you want that back. So what's stopping you? And it turns out, not that that was the it in terms of what stopped her, but what stopped her from going back into a meeting was, was one person. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. But we let our egos and what's inside of tell us, oh, okay, this is a good enough reason. This person doesn't like me, so I'm not going to go back and get my medicine in spite of this other person. It's like mm-hmm. having a resentment for somebody and you're holding the whole thing and the other person doesn't even know what's going on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But so many people do that. And unless we talk to somebody else and we say, this is what I'm thinking. Is this normal? You say, and the person's not judging you, but they're like, "There's, you know what? You can't let this person stand in your way. And and had I not reached out to her, and I'm not saying had I not, she she wouldn't be where she's at today. But, you know, she I don't think she would have maybe offered that information or even seen it herself that that was one of the major reasons that, you know, one of the major reasons that was that she was not going back. And that you've you know. helped her identify that. That's what talking to another person does. Because getting alone, we don't, we make justifications. We do all this crazy stuff, but we don't, you know, we, if we play the same tape over and over and over in our head, there's no, there's nobody, you know, saying, oh my gosh, you know what? Think about it this way. You're not having the right thought process. Think about it this way. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, you just totally helped me by me telling you this one little crazy, silly thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's even just writing it down and then reading what you wrote. And when you read it, your your perception totally changes. And you're like, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh. What was I thinking having perceiving it like this way? Now that I read what I was thinking, it doesn't make any sense. I got to let go of this. This is crazy. Yeah. I mean, you've helped me to do that. I'm writing it down as much of a burden as it seems like it will be or is uh, really does, does help. It's your, oh, you're just letting freedom. it go. Mm-hmm. It's the key to the freedom is by getting it out of our heads. Because if I sit here and I play the same tape over and over and over and over again, there is no solution. It's just a problem constantly. And now the problem that might have been very minuscule becomes a problem that's like of enormous proportions. And I can't see any way of getting out of it. So I just can't stand playing this tape in my head. It's so exhausting. You know what? I'm just going to pick up a drink. Forget it. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to pick up a drink because that's so much easier than dealing with it. Yeah, so much easier. Right? Not so much. Exactly. Not so much. And, you know, the answer I have to say is always love. I have to say it's love, non-judgment, and no expectations. That's what gets me in trouble is my expectations because then I'm let down. If I don't have expectations, I can't get let down. I know. I do live by that. I I really do. It took me a while, you know, after I got sober. but but, But saying that to myself in any situation that I'm going into um, or have coming up, if I say that to myself and repeat it a couple of times, like I do the serenity prayer, it really does make a difference. It totally does, doesn't it? Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. And there's so many things that go on inside of our heads that can make us mess up. You know, there's this old saying, um, 
I don't know how old it is, but it's, you know, halt. Sometimes we're hungry, we're angry, we're lonely, and we're tired. And it could be one of those things. It could be two of those things. It could be five of those things. And when they bog us down, they can take over. You know, they can take over because they take over our head. And because we're tired, then other things that might not bother us when we're not tired bother us. If we're hungry, we can get a little angry and we can get a little crank. What is it? Kangry. And, um, and we get angry over the fact that we're hungry and we're hungry and we've got low blood sugar level, whatever it is. And we end up freaking out. And it's just the, it's not the thing, who cares? The freaking out thing is about something that's so minuscule, really not even that freaked out about it. But let me tell you, when we're hungry, it makes it humongous. And we've now caused all this drama in our lives and hurt people around us just because we didn't take the time to eat something. And take care of ourselves. I mean, it comes down to that, you know, if we, if we're, if we don't get enough sleep or we don't get enough to eat. I, I was... I was, as a young kid, I can remember my mom telling boyfriends, you know, make sure that if you're driving around, you have some, you know, crackers in the in the glove box because, you know, if she gets hungry, <laughs> watch out. <laughs> and you still have to do that today, right? Yes. Like, how many hours of sleep do you need a night? I mean, I, if I get less than seven, I can feel it. Isn't that awesome? See, and so now you're like, I'm not going to be, I mean, yes, at times when our heads are racing or we have things going on in our heads and we don't sleep well, you know, I'm now, I'm now at six hours. I don't know why I can, six hours I can get away with. I don't know how, but, um, you know, if I don't have six, I'm done, mm-hmm. you know, with this whole hormonal change that's going on in my life, you know, I'm not sleeping well at all. So um, I'm not getting as much as I used to, but I'm just trying to, you know, then I've got to take it easy in the afternoon because I know in the afternoon I get particularly a little more tired and I'm a little, you know, my fuse is shorter. Mm -hmm. And and what happens to me is when I'm sober and I, and I, you know, I'm hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, it, it, it brings me right back to that irritability when you're hungover. It's the same exact feeling, exactly the same, and it just completely wigs me out um, because I go, I go back to that feeling instantly. It's just this intolerance. It's, it's this, you know, being curt, and it's all the things you don't want to be. Oh my gosh! And it's so exhausting, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because it brings. Because when I'm not acting the way I want to act, then I act up, and then I have, then it becomes this huge drama. I've offended somebody. I have to go make amends. I have to look at my part. I can't look at somebody. You know what I mean? I can't look at things. So I just instead of just knowing, okay, I got to take care of myself. That means that I have to have three square meals a day. I have to have a lot of water. I've got to make sure I'm getting enough sleep. I have to exercise. I mean, the list can go on and on on each person's individual needs that they know they have that have to be fulfilled for them to have an okay day. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just life is it's learning how to navigate the waters when, you know, for so long my navigating tools were so off and I have to say, going to this women's conference and being around these women was so amazing. It was so amazing that I'm going to another one at the end of October in Atlantic City. And if anybody's interested, Weezy and I will be there. 
and um, you can reach out to me and Weezy at Busy at BusyLivingSober.com and know that, um, you know, it's going to be so much fun. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun just being around other alcoholics that have the same disease that we do, right? Mm-hmm. And how did that, How does somebody with 40 years who's lost a daughter who's to a heroin overdose, she doesn't pick up a drink, to, um, to not picking up a drink because her sister got diagnosed with cancer? I mean, how does she do that? Yeah. One day at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, and my yeah. and this woman said something that was like all about love. She's like, it's all about love. You know, if the answer is love, the answer is not judging other people. It's looking at people with compassion and empathy. Yeah, you know, it, it, it does make a difference. I mean, even with my friend that I was just talking about, you know, just just waking. I mean, there was a couple of days where I just kept waking up and thinking, I'm I'm reaching out, I'm reaching out, I'm going to send a note, I'm going to send a note, I'm going to call, I'm going to email, I'm going to text. And then I thought, you, know, you can't do anything about it. You can't help her. You can't. And then that's when I, you know, woke up on I guess it was Sunday, uh, or maybe even Saturday night. I wrote it, and I thought, stop, you know, just stop. You're complicating this. Just reach out and say, been thinking about you. You know, because I know that she doesn't want to be where she's at right now. I know it because I've been there. And the fact that you did reach out is amazing. And, and you didn't. She answered, you know, I mean, and just, and, and took a moment to really look at what, what was going on and to be able to identify that maybe, you know, maybe one of the things that was keeping her stuck was just this person in the meeting. I mean, we're not going to like everyone, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the one thing I have to throw out. But we aren't going to, I mean, I don't like every restaurant I go to. I don't like every person I meet. Let's just face it. We all have differences that we don't like in other people. But it's having the love and patience and tolerance. And sometimes the person that we don't like very much is the person that we need to befriend. Because that person, it has something going on that reminds us about ourselves that we don't like. Yeah. And and one other thing I want to say, too, is that for the people that have been sober and got sober and had a home group like I did, um, and then relapse and have that feeling of, I can't go back. I can't go back in there. I can't. You know, I will say that the, the people or the people that, that opened up their arms and hearts the most were the people in AA. The people that I was, I was most reluctant to see again that I would have avoided like anything um, were the people that were the most receptive to in me coming back. And it was just, it was, you know, no judgment, at least, you know, (laughs) nothing I heard. Um, But it's just, I just hope that people that are out there that, that, you know, have relapsed, um, they're not letting that get in the way um, that their, you know, their pride or anything, or just the embarrassment. None of that stuff happens. None of it. It is the most welcoming crowd. And can I tell you, when people come in after a relapse, it helps me so much. Right. And I was going to say that, too. Yeah. It definitely I mean, does. Oh, 
it's like it reminds me of where I've been, and it lets me know, oh, my gosh, you don't want to try this because it really isn't fun. Yeah, and my thought is always when someone says I, you know, that one, one guy just said last week that he had, he had just relapsed. I didn't know he'd relapsed. I've, been, I've known him for a while, and um, I thought, good for you. That was the only single thing that went through my mind. Good for you. Good for you to come back. Yeah, because we don't, I mean, our, again, it's our ego. It's easing God out that wants us to be alone and in our addiction, and it wants us drinking by ourselves and believing all the lies that are in our heads, which aren't true, that people are talking about us. Most people don't talk about anybody else but themselves. They definitely aren't talking about me, and they're definitely not talking about you. They're talking about themselves. Yeah. You know, and it's about get out of listening to what's going on in your head. Talk to somebody like your friend did, and I hope she comes back. And I hope she gets it again, because let me tell you, is it not like a life beyond our wildest dreams? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It really is. I've been All right. About I love that. you so much. Love you and too. until next week, everybody listening, you know, you can reach out to us. And by the way, it's busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at Busy Living Sober. If anybody has any comments, any questions, any topic ideas, reach out. And we will be back with you next Tuesday, just a couple days. And until then, keep getting busy living sober. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.